this is one of those really tough subjects. Forgiveness. Do you hear people say, I wish I would? And it's, it's too late. It's <laughs> never too late to forgive. That's good I'm because you're going to explain to us that. how we're going to get around making sure that it's never too late and how we can go about doing that. You have a couple of books out, right? Yes, yes. My second book oh, is this Now, one. that's an interesting title, Dancing with God. How did that title come about? Okay, I believe that life should be fun. Not ridiculously fun, but we should be enjoying. And dancing is one of the things that's, that's fun. And so I, through the years, learned that if you know what the music is, then you dance to that rhythm. And so the rhythm of God's life, if you learn what the rhythm of God's life is, then you can dance. And so this book talks about how do you find the rhythm that God sets up in his music. And when you find that out, you can dance with him. He intends for us to dance. He intends for us to have fun. Life is supposed to be fun. Yeah, there's difficult things, but by and large, to be fulfilling. Be fulfilling. It should be fun. Uh, so, can you give a little bit of background about yourself? Sure, sure. Well, you know, I'm a pastor mentor, and I've been mentoring and pastoring for about thirty years now. And most. There's an encounter, encounter with the Lord. Now, most people will tell you about their encounter with the Lord because they were down in the dumps and they were at the end of their rope and those kinds of things. But for me, it was a little different. I was 39 years old. I was married. I had a wonderful husband who was a lawyer, three children. I was a stay-at-home mom, no financial problems. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden, I started going down into depression. And counselors and friends, you know, scratch their head and say, you've got it made in the shade. What's, what's the problem here? Why would you be depressed? But anyway, I was depressed and I was admitted into a, a psychiatric ward and was there for three weeks. And while I was there, I met the people who were patients because I was a patient there. And I learned about people who were suicidal, people who couldn't stay sober, people who were hearing voices, people who were trying to kill their own children. I mean, it was like it opened my eyes to things that were going on with other people. And so after that, for about two years, I was in recovery. Now, at during that recovery time, recovery time, the Lord brought me through. It was a walk with the Lord day by day more than day by day, hour by hour. And as I came through, I realized that I was supposed to minister to those people. And I did, you know, I did study, I got degrees in practical ministry and all that. But hindsight showed me that God didn't send me into a psychiatric ward as a doctor, a psychiatrist, a counselor, a social worker, anything like that. He sent me in as a patient. So I got the worm's eye view of what that was. And when you get the worm's eye view, it looks totally different. But it, then it gave me a heart for the people that I was going to minister to. Because I was able to say, rather than say, well, you know, if you do this and the, the, the theories say this, I was able to say, 
been there and here's right yeah firsthand experience so did you have faith before you went in or was that something that came to you while you were there or after you got out what was your faith beforehand Okay, I was really, I was a good Christian. I went to church. I taught Sunday school. I graduated from a Episcopal all-girls school. So I had, I had a Christian background. And I, at that time, I would have said to you, I had a solid faith. That's what I would have told you. And, but then I went on a, a weekend, a Christian weekend. I don't know if you know what those are, but those are Christian weekends. And this was for women. And while I was there, I had an encounter with Jesus. And it was, you know, it wasn't one of those, oh, he saved me things. It was, the picture was, I was on a diving board. And I was, I believed that I was supposed to jump off. Well, I don't know how to swim. <laughs> I don't like diving boards. And so as I'm going up this, the, on this diving board to the edge, it's getting higher and higher and higher. And I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified. And in my head was saying, oh, I have to jump. Oh, I have to jump. And I said, I can't, I can't do this. I was paralyzed and terrified. So as visions go, you know, it comes from all over. And so I said, I can't do this. And a door appeared in front of me, just a door. And, and the voice said, open the door. Well, I'm hanging on to dear life for this on this diving board. And how am I supposed to open a door? And so I say, I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't even reach. I can't reach the door enough. And the voice said, just touch the door. So I reached out and I touched the edge of the door. It opened and Jesus came out. And he didn't say anything, just walked up, stood me up, hang on to me and walked me off this diving board that I felt was up in the sky. I imagine it was seven stories high. Anyway, walked to the edge, stepped down onto the edge of the pool, walked to the shallow side. All my friends are having fun and partying. And he just motions to me to just go in on the shallow side. So I go in the water with my friends and I look at the far side of the pool where the diving board is supposed to be. There was no diving board. There was none. So, yeah, like, what is this? So I went home and the next couple of weeks, I just wept. The presence of the Lord was so strong. I didn't know why, but I would cry at everything. I cry while I'm doing dishes. I would cry by making the bed, cry sending my children. I would just weep, weep, weep. And then that's when he started taking me on that journey. And I just like, you know, why am I weeping? And it just went down, down, down into depression. And so then the journey up. One of the things that happened, I'll tell you this story when I was in the hospital. I was admitted one morning and I was assigned to this four bed ward. And I chose the bed that was farthest from the hall in the corner. Later in the day, another woman was admitted. She was kind of big woman and she was assigned a bed right by the bathroom door so later in the, later in the day i quietly slipped by her and went into the bathroom and when i came out of the bathroom this kind of broomhilda type woman i'm only four foot ten and she said to me you're the reason i'm here you're supposed to pray for me well 
you know, I'm in a psych ward. This woman is huge. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. And up to then, as I told you, I felt I was a good Christian. I had my devotionals. I prayed from books, that kind of stuff, very stilted. And so I just knew I had to do something. So I took her hands and I started to pray. And I think it was a, a combination of birthday prayer, safe travels, healing, anything. And I just, all I knew was to say, amen. And I went back to my corner. And then the next morning when I got up, she was gone. And I said, where is she? Later in the afternoon, she came bounding down the hall and she said, I've been looking for you. I've been looking for you. Thank you. I had the best sleep I ever had last night. Thank you for praying for me. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, <laughs> what did I do? I found that later she was in for a suicide attempt. And she said, I'm going home today. I'm going home. I'm so happy I'm going home. And I thought, there's something here. There is something here that I'm supposed to pay attention to. So that's how it all came in, in my book, all that experience. And then when I was, you know, I do prayer counseling, and um, people kept asking me the same questions over, and, and I said, wait a minute, I'm teaching this one at a time. What if I put it all together and I could teach more than one person at a time? Mm -hmm. And so I did that, and I got my friends together, and I started sharing with them what I was learning, and I did workshops. And then they would say, may I have an extra handout? May I have an extra handout? I want to give it to my friend. I want to. So I thought, hey, extra handouts. Why don't I put it in a book? Yes. And that's how we came up with this book, The Path Forward. And so this is a culmination of the workshops that I did. My very first, this one I published in 2013. Wow. And so the things in this book, the path forward I know works because we've experimented. My friends and I tried it. We, we did workshops on it and we shared the information with their friends. This is probably the wrong word to use, but I'm going to say that this was like a magical journey that you took. A fantastic. Supernatural. Super, supernatural. supernatural. See, my, see my book list. I get in front of the camera here. Oh, First yes, right at the bottom. To yes. Supernatural. Yes. To live supernaturally. We, we were meant to live naturally, but supernaturally. Now, some of uh, the things that you touch upon are, you know, as we we're saying at the very beginning, is not controversial, but it, it is one of those very, very difficult topics. And I'm talking about forgiveness. And Part of what you talk about in Teacher Wave is forgiving your parents, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's a really tough thing to do, I think, for for many people, yeah. for one reason or another. What is so? Why are people so angry with their parents? <laughs> Mainly because parents are imperfect. There are no perfect parents. Because there are no perfect children. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. We're, we're all different. And we all have, you know, some are more athletic, some are more boisterous, some are more quiet. So, so if you have imperfect children, you're going to have imperfect parents. That's just how it is. So mm -hmm. just accept it. All right. 
So first of all, let me if let let's set the stage of what forgiveness is. Okay, okay? thank you. Yeah. If you're listening to this on the audio podcast, what Marsha is doing is she's using one hand with one finger and then the other hand with the other finger to represent the parent and the child. So let's pretend here's if we get my camera here. Here's me and here's my parents. When we clash, I'm trying to do it again. When when we clash, we not only clash like this, but sometimes there's anger and regret and all that, and we start hooking and we start pulling. You know, they're pulled one way and I'm pulling one way and we're pulling and back and forth. Okay. So there is a link that we're attached to each other by. Okay, that's, let's just put that aside for a second. If you understand forgiving meaning, oh, it's all right. Whatever you did was fine. I condone it. Then that's the wrong definition. If you think forgiving means but there's no justice involved, you don't, you're giving up your justice, then that's the wrong understanding of forgiving. If we think forgiving means I have to go back and be hurt by you and allow myself to be hurt by you, that's not forgiving. What forgiving means, you and I are connected by something bad. We'll call it sin. But, you know, it's something bad that's not good. It's negative. So when I forgive, I am saying I do not want to be connected to the bad stuff anymore and I'm going to let go. Now, if the other person refuses to let go, they have nothing to hold on to because they're, and now it's their problem. Now, right. Okay. Okay. Yes. Now, there's nothing that says that I have to come back in the picture and rehook. No, because I forgave. And if you still have a problem, it's your problem. It's your problem. It's your problem. Okay. Now, if, let's go back, we're, we're connected, all right, and I say, I forgive, and I am getting out of the hook, and you say, I don't want to be in this hook either, and you straighten out, then we can come together, oh, my camera's here, we can come together as equals without being hooked to each other. And if you want to go that way, I don't have to follow. If I want to go this way, you don't have to follow, but we can be free from each other's junk. So that's, so a lot of this is understanding what forgiveness is. And so let's, let me forge ahead about forgiving your parents. Okay. Let me Go ask ahead. real quick though. Mm -hmm. it, it seems like too, a lot of times when people are in this situation about having a hard time letting go or, or forgiving, it's to, to my understanding and from what I've experienced, a lot of it has to do with control. Somebody or they're fighting for control of, of whatever it might be, emotional control or, or something mm -hmm. else. Is that part of this as well? Well, you know, I like to go steer away from forgiving me. I let it go mm -hmm. okay? because it's, it's a lot more than that. It's, there's, there's more to it than that. That's why people can't do it. So here's, l let me go into a little bit more understanding about forgiving. Forgiving is a spiritual law. Whether or not you believe in God, it works. You know, if you don't believe in gravity, guess what? It's going to work on you. <laughs> if you don't believe in the seed producing 
you're going to plant corn, you're going to plant a corn seed. You're not going to plant tomato seed and hope you get corn. Thank you for listening to part one of my conversation with Marshall Vogel on forgiveness. Please come back for part two as we continue the conversation on forgiveness. But we're going to dive a little bit further into forgiving our parents.